Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. My name is Douglas Parsons. Today's guest has a brilliant background. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything. Dr. Lulu came onto my radar about a year ago via Facebook. Color me intrigued with this woman who is creating safe space for parents of LGBTQIA youths. In doing more exploration of this woman, I discovered so much more than my initial thought of a mother wanting their child to grow up being happy. There is so, so much more. Dr. Lulu is a life coach based in San Antonio, Texas. Her mission is to help parents accept their LGBTQ plus kids without shame and without blame. Dr. Lulu, also known as the Momatrician, is a Nigerian-born international keynote speaker on bullying and youth suicide. She is an indie author and indie publisher. Her first book, How to Raise Well-Rounded Children, debuted at number one on Amazon's hot new releases in the parenting genre. And we're going to talk about a new book that will be coming out later this summer. As I may mention, she is a freelance writer, a frequent contributor to online and paper publications. You can check out her work on many different places, including the Black Parenting Magazine, the San Antonio Medicine, Parents Magazine, the Washington Post, to name a few. And if you become smitten with her writing, you can take a look at more of her works found on her personal blog, which is www.wordsbyblackbutterfly.com. She is on most social platforms. We're going to talk more about this as well. Life is different in Texas right now, or maybe it's more of the same. We're going to talk more about that as well with Dr. Lulu. A remarkable story and a story that continues to be written. If this is your first time listening to the Tales of the 2S LGBTQ Plus podcast, we are a podcast based here in Canada. We're getting more and more known, and that's because we're telling your stories, which happens to be our stories. It's these stories that become part of our collective DNA, and it keeps us going. We learn from each other and we become smitten every single week. This is an audio as well as a video podcast. You can find us on YouTube. Be sure to press subscribe. Find us on all the audio platforms where you can subscribe, leave comments, and you can find us on all the social medias. If you're a returnee, welcome back. Glad to have you. We've been here for over a year. We have nearly 60 episodes talking about life within this 2S LGBTQ plus community, and we're gonna continue to do it. They're fantastic stories. I am based here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And it's important for me to say that as I like to acknowledge the people who were here before. We're talking about the indigenous people, the Métis, the Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these territories for centuries. We acknowledge the traditional elders and the knowledge keepers who have come before 
and who are still with us today. This wisdom allows us to understand what has taken place as we work towards understanding the truth. I hope you continue with me on this journey as we open our minds, open our hearts to knowledge and to understand what has come before as we work towards truth and reconciliation. It's very important. There's a lot of different ways that you can do the initialism for the LGBTQ plus community. Myself and others here in Canada, we've decided to put the two S at the beginning of the initials. Two S standing for two spirit. Recognizing the two spirit has been on this land far longer than everyone else. So we want to put that first. A little bit of knowledge here as we go into today's interview. So let's get into this. Dr. Lulu and I, we've been chatting for a while and we're finally able to bring this together. So let me bring you, Dr. Lulu, to your screen and or your listening ears. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Lulu. Thank you. I was at one point I was like, is that me? Are you sure you're describing me? Thank you so much for holding space for me. As a matter of fact, the two S, I mentioned that in my upcoming book, and I mentioned specifically the Indigenous of Canada and how you all have kind of adopted the two S before the LGBTQ+. I think you're the one group of people that I noticed that do that. The Indigenous in Hawaii and other Polynesians, they put two S at the end. But I think it's Canada that I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken in my book, that is the one that adopted the two S first. So I thought that was neat. There's a couple of different ways that go about. The official government position is to put the two S a little bit at the end. Mm. But we've seen politicians push back against that and they're putting it first. It's difficult uh, to do that because by putting the two S first, you don't want to bring down or take away the space for lesbians within our community and the reasons why the L went first, especially when it came to elevating the voice, recognizing the role women, the lesbians had in our community, taking care of men in the eighties and nineties with the AIDS crisis. Mm -hmm. So it's a difficult conversation going, yes, we don't want to take away from the L, but we also have to identify or we want to identify the 2S voice as well. Mm -hmm. Initialism, it's an ongoing story. I like it. I like it. I don't think anyone is going to, you know, of course everyone is different, but I don't think any lesbian is going to get all gung-ho about that. Because, I mean, as times change, things change, situations change, realizations change. And therefore, the need to include somebody before or after changes. So we're all morphing. We're all becoming the next level. I don't think any lesbians will. I mean, then the pansexuals are going to say, wait, what about us? You know, then everybody's going to start going crazy. So I think if anything can be understood and anything can also be misunderstood, it's just how you present it. If you present the case the way you did, which makes total sense. But who am I? I'm just... Queer. <laughs> I'm good. We're just two people on this journey that we're writing the story every day. Dr. Lulu, this is the strange part at the beginning. It's the chicken 
or the egg. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about you first and your journey before we go into the journey that you've had as a parent. For your street credibility, mm -hmm. um, can you tell us how you fit within our... Um, I think it's fair to do that. I would never know which came first, chicken or egg. I think maybe God said, let's create animals. And maybe possibly he created a chicken first, if he's a he at all. I like to use they, them for God. But for me, when I was 11, I went to high school in Nigeria. We had a British system. So I went to an all-girls boarding school, as a matter of fact. And that was actually when I first noticed that I do like what I call the woman body. I just like the way women are shaped, the way women with curves are. I like to look at their, their hands and their musculature, whatever, breasts, I don't care. I just like that. And, and I said, well, you know, maybe because I'm in an all-girls school. But my friends were like, no, we didn't notice anything. I'm like, really, you don't? They're like, no, uh, no, why do you notice it? I'm like, I don't know, I just noticed it. They're like, well, look at that six, two handsome man over there. We notice him. I'm like, okay. Then I said, well, I noticed him too. So I was like, okay, well, why is this like this? Like most people in the queer space, which is really my preferred word is queer because it's one syllable. Most people in the queer space do notice at one point that, wait, am I weird or is this normal? And then you say something and everyone's like, oh my God, da, da, da. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to say it again. Or you might say something and people are like, oh yeah, you know, that's normal. Totally cool that you're like that. However it falls is going to shape your next set of thoughts and then your actions and your belief systems. So when I was 16, I told my dad, I said, I like girls, you know? And my dad waved his hand just like, like a fly, like, please, that's a phase, man. You be, you, it's nothing. And I was like, okay. And I took it all hook line and sinker because that's what children do which is one of the things i want parents to know that in the past i used to say you are the most important person in your child's life now i say you're not the most important person your child is the most important person in their life everybody is the most important person in their life but as a parent you are the most influential person in your child's life and so i believed everything my dad said because he was that influential in my life. I was like, you know what? Then my dad must be right. It must be a phase. One year passed, two years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 26 years later. It was still there. I was like, okay, daddy, we need to talk about this. So I, and, and, and coincidentally, of course, things happened. I got divorced from my ex-husband. And I was like, you know what? I'm done trying to not explore this part of me. Let's look closer into it. And as I got older, obviously I was 42 then. I was like, okay, this is this is what it is. I like men and I like women. And, you know, shoot me. And once you start focusing on something, naturally that thing gets bigger. So, you know, I had a friend that was, I had this intense crush on her. But she was intensely married to her husband and just extremely happy with her husband. And I was like, okay, you have to learn to tame it as well, girl. You know, I'm telling myself, you can't tame it. And, you know, send your amorous feelings to people that will reciprocate, you know. And that's kind of when I now met my now ex-wife. We just got divorced last December. 
And it was a beautiful 10 year run, but you know, the COVID, we just didn't survive COVID and that's fine. Okay. I've learned to accept myself as a queer person, equally attracted to women as men, but I have also, as I've gotten older, yeah. what I want people to know is that this is me, myself and I, all three of us, not you. And if that doesn't work for you, that's also okay. We're on this fantastic journey called life. We open up our book every day to write our story. And sometimes that is written in black pen, blue pen. Sometimes it's in pencil. Just as long as you keep writing, that's all that matters. And also holding space for those who stop for a while to do a rethink and make a U-turn if possible. Because the thing about it is, I was married to my ex-husband for 13 years. When I filed for divorce, I was 39. It was exactly a third of my life. I vowed then not to do that to myself again, not to stay in the place and mark time and just keep marking time, praying and hoping and wishing and praying and all of that. And then with my ex-wife, I did the same thing because you know we are all creatures of habit. So hopefully now <laughs> I have learned that I will not do that again. So yeah, forward movement can also mean stopping and making a, a pivot and just holding space for yourself and saying to yourself, it's okay, we got you. We're gonna do this right. Because the biggest problem is we now self-destruct and auto-destruct and have all these negative feelings about towards to ourselves first, AKA internalized homophobia, or internalized racism, or internalized whatever you want to call it. And that now manifests as this intense negativity. And then you know misery breeds company. And then before you know it, everyone around you feels terrible when they're around you. And they're like, what's wrong with her? So we have to recognize right away when we're on that path and hopefully stop and make a pivot. Or if we make a U-turn, if possible. But movement, I think, rather than just forward movement, for movement. Uh, let's hold some space for your son, because it's not just you in your household who's been on a journey, but you have been part of a journey with your son as well. And what are you able to talk about when it comes to that journey, when it comes to his space within the LGBTQ plus community? And so naturally, like any parent, <clears throat> like any parent who is going to be vulnerable, your child is an extension of you. Children are, are, are influenced by the environment, whether we like it or not. When I was nine months pregnant with my eldest child, which is the way I refer to her now. Ah. Yes, I was going there. new news. When I was nine months pregnant with my eldest child, I went on a boat cruise and I had my palm read and I picked some cards in Louisiana of all places. I did not know the gender of the child that I had in my belly. And the lady who read my card said, she said, you have a prince, you're gonna have a son. However, this child is gonna be filled with female qualities and be very fair of face. And people will even think it's a girl. Her words, not mine, but it's a boy you're gonna have. And it was just one night in Louisiana on a boat cruise. 
until I had the boy, or what I now call my child who was assigned male at birth, because we now know better. Assigned male at birth, fair of face, fair skinned, just as handsome as you can find a child. People used to ask me, whose kid is that? Because I'm darker skinned chocolate. My ex-husband is a high light skinned human being. So I had a light skinned baby and I was dark as ever. But one of the things I always said, which is the title of the book, the memo I'm gonna write about that parenting piece of my life is called, Stop Acting Like a Girl. Hmm. For obvious reasons, I said that to my child nonstop as they grew up. Stop acting like a girl. Why you gotta act like a girl? Why are you acting like a girl? You're not a girl, nonstop. And now that I know better, and I know you know probably up until 2020, when I discovered that my child's pronouns were non-binary, I'm like, where they, them. And I was like, what is they, them, what? First of all, the story was, they were graduating from college, from Stanford. And she was receiving the award of excellence of highest honor awarded to a graduate from the College of Arts. And the gentleman kept saying, they this and they that, and they this and they that. And I was like, son, I thought you were the only one receiving the award. Who are all these people? Why does he keep saying they? Who, who else is getting the award? And I honestly did not know because it was virtual. It was 2020. We were home right here in this living room. My eldest didn't say anything, but my middle man child said, mom, I think it's because identifies as non-binary. And I was like, non-binary what's that i never knew and so began my education which is what i like to say that's how i found an entity called non-binary i never knew about it so i am here to say that to any parent who thinks i'm a pediatrician well-learned have my master's in, in business administration. I'm a licensed life coach. I was a lieutenant colonel and commander in the US Air Force. I did my air war college and passed to become a full colonel. I was a lieutenant colonel. I passed to become a full colonel. I was handpicked to become the SGH, Surgeon General of the Hospital at Tyndall Air Force Base as the highest ranking today, United, United States Air Force Nigerian born female, me, okay. Mm -hmm. I did not know what non-binary was. And so I have a TEDx talk coming up where I'm gonna talk about parenting being the new word for vulnerability. Mm -hmm. We have to know what we don't know and be okay with it and then be open to learning. I was like, what is this? Please, what does it mean? I mean, what, what, what does it really mean? Because in my heart, I never forgot the one day on the boat. In my heart, I never forgot that. I always said, stop acting like a girl. In my soul, I became very afraid. Oh my God, don't tell me you're transgender. And at that time, they were like, no mom, but now I'm non-binary and I did not forget the for now. I'm like, what do you mean by like, what is for now? These are all real emotions, real things that happened to me. This happened to me in the last 20 months. 
So I had to rapidly learn. And then I realized, wait, if I, if I, who is a youth suicide prevention activist and advocate for youth suicide prevention and a speaker, if I am struggling like this, there must be other parents out there who know even less as far as all the things I mentioned that I've done. There must be those people out there. I need to find them because I know the effect of rejection and lack of affirmation on gender nonconformers because I had to learn. But only after I pushed back and I acted a fool, if I may call myself that, because I was like, wait, what, what do you mean? You, you can't be. I mean, I, I thought you were just gay. I mean, okay, what about the gayness? Like, was it not just gay? And I made a big fuss about it because I made it about me, ultimately. I made it about what are my friends going to say? What's my mom going to say? What am I, how am I going to tell my dad this? What about the church and all these other people who truly don't matter? Mm -hmm. And if they really mind, then they really don't matter. Because what they say is those people who matter will not mind. And so I had to go on that journey of self-discovery and I might add self-acceptance. So my biggest work with parents is that of self-acceptance. Once you accept yourself, your child, yourself as a mother of a transgender, as a mother of a lesbian, as a mother of anything in the LGBTQ plus community, once you accept yourself as their parent, the affirmation is, is automatic. It would be very difficult for you not to compare to yourself because as you've made mention of the woman's curves and you recognizing at an early age that you were different from everyone else. It would be very difficult then to be able to look at your assigned at birth son, your daughter today and not go, how am I connected with this? Is this something I've not discovered about myself yet? And you ha would have that fight within yourself. So my question is, how do you turn off that internal struggle voice and basically allow yourself to be open to learn. So you've pushed back that internal voice, getting rid of it and come to a place of learning. And so first of all, it's not a fight. It's an all out war. Second of all, I love that you said learning because my first children's book is called Unica, Unlearning and Learning with Unica, the black unicorn. And Unica thing is spelled with a K and unicorn is spelled with a K. And she is non-binary and she goes by she, they. But actually they, she, but I like the she part. Since my, my daughter now became a she, it was a they before. And now that she's a she, I'm now going with she, they. So it's kind of sort of patterning my daughter's life. But she's here to teach children and their parents. So it's called unlearning and learning versus unlearning and relearning, which is what a lot of people say. So thank you for recognizing that it's not relearning because relearning means doing the same thing you just undid. So for me, like most parents, we are willing to forgive, forget, understand, follow, support, do everything as long as it's not our child. We go into this mode. Oh my God, this is mine. This is my child, me, my, I. 
ultimately about control and making it about ourselves. And I did. You would think, I would say, wait, when I was 11, you would think that. The thing about it, though, is I knew my child was gay when they were nine months old. I knew they were gay when they were 11 months. I knew they were gay before they were two. It has never been an issue for me. The gayness was okay. Even as I made my own mistakes with affirming the gayness, it was still okay. It's like, oh God, whatever you do, don't let her be transgender. And I say that because in America, the high rate of homicide of black trans women is maddening. So in my mind, I was too busy, watch this, trying to protect her from being hunted down and haunted by the police and hunted by other black men. Because actually the, the truth about the matter is black men are the number one killers of black trans women. I'm just going to come out and say it. Anybody doesn't have to agree with me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact. Numbers never lie. My biggest fear was that the police and black men. But here's the problem with that. And that's why I love my story. My story is identical to most people's stories because we're so busy worried about, well, what's going to happen? Well, all of this could happen. We miss that our child really, truly just wants us for here and now, to embrace the moment, to love at them this moment, to be there for them today. Because no one is promised tomorrow. If you don't believe me, ask the parents in Uvalde who took their kids to school. Ask the, the people in the families in Buffalo whose family members went to the store. Ask any victim of any sudden death. No, not the victim, but the family members, excuse me, of any victim of a sudden death. How they plan, okay, I'll see you tomorrow, assuming that they were going to be here tomorrow. And so the mistake that parents are making, like I made gravely, which is one of the things I'm going to teach in my upcoming summit, is you cannot make it about yourself, one. You cannot even make it about the future. You can't go too far. You got to make it about here, today, now. Affirmation today. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said you would think that being a queer person, you would think that with my own experience with my father, you would think that I would be like, no problem. I'm here for you. But when she told me she was transgender, she told me, say, mom, you did not affirm me. I did say thank you. And then I hung up the phone and I took off running. I ran physically and I ran in my head. And when I stopped, when I ran all the way to the mall, two miles away, I stopped and looked back and there was my fear right there, right behind me, right there. I could not outrun my fears. And so I made a U-turn and I faced my fears. And I realized that my fear is nothing but thoughts that have been embedded in my head that just because my child is transgender means that possibly someone is going to kill them. And even if that person was going to kill them, my child truly needs me today. This is why I decided I have to do this work. I quit 
medicine. I retired at 52. After 30 years of being a pediatrician, I said, you know what? I'm going to hang my stethoscope up right there on that wall. So I'm going to talk with parents until I dry out of saliva. Because that realization I had made me look at the number of 42% of children in the transgender community have no, actually in the LGBTQ plus community, 42% of them seriously considered suicide in the last 12 months by the Trevor Project. And four times that number, at least two to four times that number, transgender kids. And they have four times as much suicide, not just thinking about it now. I'm talking about suicide. Why is that? Because you, my dear parents, are the most influential person. You can inadvertently influence them to jump. I won't be here for that. I'm not going to be here for that. That's not, no. And so I decided my child is going to be 25 this weekend. She can literally live and thrive without me. So I had to decide right now, do I want to be in my child's life? That's it. That was the question I asked myself. And that the, the answer, you know the answer. One, one of your recent books talked about warrior women. <laughs> so in continuing the conversation about your daughter, what has your daughter taught you about being a warrior woman? If you read my story, which I usually have the book hanging around somewhere, if you read my story, the last thing I say in my story is, Mom, what if you're the woman who chooses happiness twice? My eldest child, my daughter, when I was crying that my ex-wife just left, she left on January 1st, 2021. She said, I'm leaving. And I said, where are you going? It's a holiday. All the stores are closed because I didn't realize by I'm leaving. She was leaving me. I thought she was going to the store. She said, no, I'm leaving, leaving. And I'm like, wait, what? When I wrote, so when I cried or whenever I told the children and I had one-on-one -on -one conversation with each child and when I was telling her, which is my daughter now, about it, I said, and, it's, and she was like, well, mom, why are you crying so hard? And I was like, because I don't want to be the, the woman who, who gets divorced twice. And without skipping a beat, I heard, but mom, what if you're the woman who chooses happiness twice? That's the child that I had. That's my daughter. Mm -hmm. That's the impact that she has on me. <coughs> and that's why I say as a parent, the learning phase, the learning curve, you can learn from anybody. And the title of my story in the World Women Project is Choosing Happiness Twice because of those words. The title of the course that I teach at the libraries in San Antonio, I teach a free class to parents. It's called Mom, It's Not About You, My Child's Words. The title of the book that I'm writing, the memoir that I'm writing is called Stop Acting Like a Girl, the words I said to her. So I want you to see how intertwined I am with this human, which is why I had to make a tough decision. And she has been on my podcast, I think three times at various stages in her life, when she was gay first, when she was non-binary, and when she, well, yeah, three times, but we I don't think we're going to be coming anytime soon because the transgender thing, we're still kind of even just trying to mend the fact that she said, I did not affirm her. Mm -hmm. 
what she told me. So when I come out swinging at the governor of Texas, because I know that a parent who supports their child is an entire vibe, is a whole journey, is not to be messed with, because I know the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions and all of that that comes into that parent coming out and saying, you know what, my trans child's life matters. I don't know if you can see my t-shirt says, mm -hmm. trans kids cry for help. My trans kid's life matters. Yes. And so arrest me if you have to. Let's bring up on the screen here for our YouTube watchers. And I'll also say this out loud for our audio listeners as well. To find out more information about the words of Dr. Lulu, you can go to her blog, www.wordsbyblackbutterfly.com. It is spelled exactly the way that the words are originally spelled. You can also find more information at the website www.dr-lulu.com. And Dr. Lulu, what would people find at this website? More words by me. <laughs> more words by me. I, I like to write. I've always been writing. I, I, I write a lot. I have not fed my blog in a while. It's been a journey. You know, it's funny. The more, I, even though I like writing, I've been writing more for other people's web, websites. And my thoughts are across the board everywhere. Kevin MD, I just wrote one for him last week that is titled 10 Things Your Queer or your, I think it's your, your queer patient wants you to know. Kevin MD is like 150,000 doctors subscribed to his blog. So it's LGBT plus basics, 10 things your LGBT plus patient wants you to know or, or, or wishes you knew or something like that. So I go around educating people. Just, I, I'm not even so much feeding my own blog. And I don't know the last time I wrote anything for my blog, but I mean, they're beautiful words, but just not a whole lot more on my blog because I'm just too busy going elsewhere so people elsewhere can know. But you will see links to my YouTube channel, for instance, where I try to upload as many of my videos as I can. You will see the link to the two times I spoke at the Capitol in Texas in the month of March. You will see a link to the video where I received the award for Advocate of the Year that was given to me by the San Antonio LGBT Chamber of Commerce in March. You will see videos of me teaching about queerness and, I don't know, mistakes that parents make and, you know, youth suicide and how to communicate with your child. And just sometimes there's a rant. Sometimes there's not a rant. You will see me and, and just a lot, a lot more of me. You will see a bunch of my... The, the YouTube videos I was able to upload from my podcast before I lost my old IG account and Facebook account. You see, I think 22 episodes there, which is called The Pride Corner, Our Coming Out Stories and More, where I just hold space for queer people and allies. You see interviews that I've done. You see some of them that I've been able to upload. I was on TV yesterday talking to parents about how to discuss the shooting with because it was down the street from me where I actually work in Uvalde. I have a clinic that I supervise there. 
So you will see a whole lot of that and maybe how to make an appointment <laughs> with me if you'd like to talk to me one-on-one -on -one if you're a parent that's struggling. Even if you're not a parent of a queer child, I'm a general life coach as well as a life coach that focuses on queer parents, parents of queer kids because that's who I am. But you could be a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber. It doesn't matter if you're a parent or if you're just a person and you're struggling because, you know, there's just a block somewhere you're having a hard time connecting with something or making a decision. That's what life coaches do. I also work as a pediatrician naturally with children and teenagers as a confidence coach for them. That's the lesser half of my practice that I talk about. I don't talk about that much, much anymore, but I still have teenagers that are my clients right now that I work with just to kind of help them with, especially with, with their self-esteem. They don't have to be queer. Coincidentally, my practice that I that I closed down during the during the lockdown was only for teenagers, and a bunch of them were were queer kids. And actually, that fed my decision to become a life coach, because a lot of them were coming in suicidal and depressed, and enough of them were queer and struggling with rejection from their parents. So I'm like, wait, this is a thing that needs to be talked about. So it's not popular, but hey, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do it, and we need people who do that. I'll throw this in with the city I'm based in here in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, Canada. For our unhoused youth in the city, 40 to 45% of our unhoused youth identify as being part of the rainbow community. Yes. We need to take a look at our population as a whole, it used to be three to 10%. That would be a very high total who are unhoused. Although it has been mentioned in a recent study that a little over 20% of this current generation do identify as being part of the rainbow community. People who were listening uh, to your answer, you made mention of the podcast Pride Corner. Obviously, that's how I discovered because of our Pride Corner on White here in Edmonton. So it was like, who else is calling things Pride Corner? Oh, who is this Dr. Lulu? So that's <laughs> how things came about. I want to make mention of your social media here at Dr. Lulu Talk Radio. Type that into the search engines on the different social media sites and you'll get more about Dr. Lulu. We're coming to a natural end for our conversation for today. There will be more virtual summits taking place over the course of the year. So do find out more about this information. And, and when that information comes out, of course, we're going to promote and make sure that you're all aware of it. Dr. Lulu has a new book that will be coming out over the summer, which is called Invited In how to be a parent for your LGBTQ plus children with needs. And there's an online course with the word becoming. So there's just so much more. We're limited with time because you have a client at the top of the hour. But <laughs> I have to ask you this because it's front of mind. You've mentioned it already. At the time of this recording, another school shooting took place two days ago at the time of this recording. America, the mm. United States, I know that you're not going to yell back at me for this, but it seems right now the parts that the USA are exceptional at 
is school shootings and taking away women's rights to their own body. And you are at the epicenter of this in Texas with your Governor Abbott, who does nothing. Dr. Lou, can you tell us what is the vibe? What is Texas feeling? Can you even pinpoint the emotions at this moment? I think like most normal human beings, Texas is in mourning. I mean, I don't care what the governor says, the state is in mourning. Majority of the people in the state of Texas actually do not like the governor. They are just too doggone lazy to vote him out. But truly, we're all in mourning. I have not watched the video. I will not watch the video. But you know, you can't escape it. The, the pictures come through your screen regardless. So I, I've seen some of the pictures of the kids. I've seen some of the parents' stories. I do get triggered. I have chronic pain. So it really does trigger me just watching a lot of this, even though I'm in the, I'm in the youth suicide prevention space. But you can only imagine the sound of that kind of thing, that kind of thing happening in the classroom next to you. And these are seven-year-olds and 10-year-olds. You can only imagine what those children, the nightmares they're gonna have, and indefinitely they're gonna have those nightmares. And being a country where you can get guns before you, you get formula, you know that trauma begets trauma. However, the good news is if trauma can be handed down through generations, thankfully healing can also be handed down through generations. So some of us are gonna to try to heal ourselves maybe a little faster so we can help other people heal. We're holding space. Yesterday I was on TV just trying to tell parents to have the conversation. This is not the time to be quiet. This is not the time to be, you have to talk. And even you as a parent, you have to mourn your, the, the, the helplessness inside. I found it yesterday that Matthew McConaughey, which is an actor, is from Uvalde. I didn't know that. So he made a statement. I didn't know that. I have a clinic that I supervise in Uvalde. So yesterday I was talking about parents just needing to talk about it with their kids. This is not a time to not talk because the kids are helpless. We do not want to become numb. We must vote because that's the least we can do. This is the worst mass shooting. And when the shooting was happening, apparently the governor of Texas was at the fundraiser 300 miles away. And his opponents got to the site before him. This is to tell you what the head in Texas is busy going after transgender kids and women and their bodies and asylum seekers. Meanwhile, we don't have power. The first and only time that the weather got challenging, we lost power for days. You'd think he would focus on those things. So really, truly, I wish I didn't have to say this, but I'm moving out of Texas next year because I can only take so much. I have to save myself because I'm a natural empath and I'm also compassionate. I always want to help. I'll be the one running upstairs when everybody else is running down. So I have to leave because I will get sucked in and um, it won't be good. But thank you for asking. I do want to say something before I forget. Every Monday, so this is ongoing, every single Monday evening, I have a support group for parents. So if anybody is hearing my voice, it's on Mondays. I call it the Parent of Queer Support Group. However, it's really just for 
any parents at all. We've opened it up to any parents. This past week, we had two parents who are not parents of queers to just join to just kind of come and just feel some kind of something with other people. It is virtual. And because I turned 53 in March, it's only $53 per month. But the first night is free. So you can come and see if you like it. And if you like it, stay. If you don't like it, no problem. It's a great reminder right now that you always have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can help others. And um, no judgment. You have to do what you need to do. And we all have to do that just as long as we are present and we're aware of our surroundings and we know what we're doing. Last question. And we'll try to fit this in very quickly. The age of 15 was an important year for myself because I recognized a lot about myself. It was the year that my only sister was born. Life had changed a lot. Uh, I just knew that what I had thought before was going to be different. And so if you had a chance to sit down with the 15-year-old you and have a conversation with, what are some words that you would say to her? I want to say... You are special, you are smart, you are everything that you think you are, and just keep keep going. I've always been a rebel. I didn't start today. No rebels ever start to, on the day you catch them, so to say. I've always been outspoken. I did not start today. I challenged the Catholic Church when I was 12. I wrote a rejoinder to the newspaper. I said, wait, wait, what's, what's all this about? <laughs> then, why can't the Catholic priests get married? And why can't women become priests? When I was 11 or 12, my eldest child also challenged um, a musician online at the age of 11 and something about some piece that the musician had written and actually wrote an email saying, well, you know, the fourth measure comes in a little late for the third quarter, whatever, something, something musical, something. And the guy was like, oh my God. So this kind of thing is not, I'm not surprised that I'm doing what I'm doing right now, honestly. When I go back to my youngest, I see that I had the signs then. And I'm ever so grateful that I had the foresight of coming to America because in Nigeria, I know it would have been harder just as a black woman, just as a woman, period. So even in America, it's hard enough. I'm still a black woman wherever I go, but it's my time. It's my time, it's our time. There's never a better time than now. So yeah, I'm here for all of all of her. She was molested when she was nine. She was raped when she was 16. But guess what? She's here today because she's not all of those hurts. She is a gangster and she's gonna stay a gangster. And she, you know, I, I just see her in her <laughs> casket with one finger up, like take this, and it's gonna it's gonna freeze there. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids will be like, yep, that's our mama. It's <laughs> hard and I die hard. And I want my legacy to be that I held space for people to love and accept their kids ultimately. That's, I think that's what I was born to do. I walked away from $300,000 a year as a physician to do this. And I barely make 50 grand right now. Life is what it is. But as you mentioned before, be there in the moment. And despite everything that's taking place in the world around, this is where you need to be. This is where I need to be. And that is more than good. I was born for this, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Lulu, for being with us here today on Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+.
I'll make sure that your social media and other pieces of work get out there to the world as well. Uh, so make sure that you do that. Let me say that. So listeners, be sure to check out that information as it becomes available. Thank you for inviting us in and thank you for becoming another one of our guests here on this podcast as we become smitten with another person week after week. So thank you so much, Dr. Lulu. Thank you so much for affirming me this morning. I appreciate that. On behalf of Dr. Lulu, my name is Douglas Parsons. You've been listening to Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. We're out every week with a new episode on YouTube and the audio sites. Check out previous episodes. We talk to a wide range of people. If you have a question or if you have an idea, more than likely that story is there as well. Until next time, everyone, I'm here to remind you to be good and always text when you get home. Bye for now, everybody.